0: happening CMU sports fans welcome back to Maroon and Bold your home for everything Chippewa sports I'm your host and CM Life sports editor Sean Chase here for episode four this week we'll dive into CMU football soccer and field hockey struggles volleyball's triumphs as well as touching on men's and women's club hockey there's a lot to discuss so let's jump right in and we're going to start with everybody's favorite sport football although it's not people's favorite sport in Mount Pleasant right now we're going to welcome on Ryan Calores and Ashley Berknis. How's it going,
1: guys? Not too bad. Um, things have been better with the uh, the football team, but at least the weather's really nice right now. I'm good. Well, I'm glad you guys are good because, as Ryan mentioned,
0: football is not doing good. They're 2-6 and six overall, 1-3 and three in the MAC, and this weekend they had a rough one against Bowling Green. They lost 34-18, but injuries, I think, were one of the stories. The other story was, as we've talked about, Ryan, Daniel Richardson is no longer the starting quarterback for this football team, it appears. What did you see from him on Saturday in comparison to what Jace Bauer, the incumbent, showed?
1: Um, Yeah, I think you saw in the first half they were kind of doing like they were alternating between the two. Like one would get a series and then the other. Um, and it was, I mean, it was pretty clear that... Um, the offense moved better with Bauer under center I mean he he kind of just provided an added threat with his legs that wasn't really there uh with Richardson so teams could kind of you know sell out and take away the pass and once they did that with Richardson I mean he you know there just really wasn't a whole lot he could do um uh without uh some of the playmakers that he had last year but uh but Bauer showed I think that um that, like I said, like you know, he could just move things a little bit better, and it seemed like there was a little more tempo when he was out there. No, I
0: agree, and we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. It seemed like Daniel Richardson was going to lose his job. I'm amazed that he made it this long, to be honest with you. His stats on the year aren't horrible. He's completed 56% of his passes for 1,700 yards, 13 touchdowns, four picks. But the season feels way worse than what those stats show. Jace Bauer, like you said, provided a spark that – I didn't know this team could even get at this point. It feels like they're pretty down. And it's a bad time for somebody like Ashley to cover her first game. <laughs> but how was the experience for you?
2: Um, it was good. I I enjoyed it despite the outcome. Um, it was cool to see the, the game from a different perspective, kind of being up in their press box, seeing uh, the way they are on the field versus in the stands, because you can't really see much while you're standing in the sand, so I enjoyed it.
0: I'm glad you enjoyed it. It wasn't very enjoyable in any other area. (laughs) We lost. Going into the game, we'll start with the injuries because injuries, I feel like, are one of the main topics. Lou Nichols has been out for two weeks. The last week, we go to Miles Bailey, Marion Lukes. Bailey gets hurt. This week, it's on Marion Lukes. He gets hurt. So Jake Tafelski is now the number one back at CMU. Just got his first career touchdown until someone comes back from injury. And it's like what you mentioned. The rushing attack hasn't been here all year. We've, they've been able to sell out on D. Rich. You can't do that with Bauer because of his speed. Now, we don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback, but if you had to take a guess right now, it's Jace Bauer, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd have to imagine. I mean, just the fact that he got the whole second half, except for the one series that he was injured.
0: which was That was one of the craziest hits i ever seen. Yeah. He folded mm-hmm. that man, <laughs> and he only took a
1: couple plays off. I was going to say props to Bauer for coming back as soon as he did because he got smacked. Oh, yeah. No, that was a hit. Talking about smacking people, our defensive line has
0: been the bright spot for this team right now. Thomas and Coombe, Laquan Johnson, who has made his triumphant return and let quarterbacks know he's around, Michael Heldman, Jacquez Bristol on the inside. Besides the defensive line, who is standing out to you
1: at this point? Um, defensively I would say um i I think the the corners specifically you know Dante and Ronald Kent I think every every week they kind of show up and they really do a good job of sealing the edge which if they you know obviously if they weren't out there that would um that, that would be pretty rough because those guys can can really uh make sure that they contain and can really make you know you see Ronald Kent like even on special teams like that guy's just an enforcer, and I know we've talked about it so many times, but it's just—it's so apparent watching the season, and uh, and obviously his brother Dante, who's already had like a good career here in in just a few years, um, he's shown more of the same. So I think it starts with the corners, really.
0: No, I agree. And Ronald Kent is the energy of that defense. It feels like he
1: is dancing all the time. He was dancing
0: on the <laughs> sideline, yeah. and we were getting smacked. <laughs> he's enjoying his time at a big D one program. Now, I know you're new to the team ashley but who stood out to you and what could be considered one of the worst games of the year
2: uh ryan kind of stole my answer uh i would definitely say the kent brothers i feel like they just kind of bring this like energy to the field to the team obviously on the sidelines with them dancing uh but i think they definitely bring something special
0: oh i agree with you guys completely and the person for me is also in the defensive secondary his name is dj stepney Mm-hmm. The man played safety yeah. and played running back, was going both ways, and this game was on every special teams unit. Going into the year, people had told me he's going to have a great year. He's going to go crazy. We got to see a flash of that this weekend. Do either of you think that – because it's obviously going to be dependent on injuries of the running backs, who comes back when and what, and how much time Stephanie gets from that. But he's provided more of a spark than any running back we've seen this year, and he don't play running back. Does he continue to play running back, or do you think they keep playing on both sides of the ball? Because that's crazy to me.
1: Um, I I don't think they're gonna want to lean on him to play to like at least start on both sides of the ball. I mean, obviously it helps if you have a guy who, in a pinch, can can kind of fulfill either of those roles. Um, but yeah, like you talked about, like in that first quarter when he was playing safety, I mean, he was everywhere. He was flying around. He was making hits. He was um, in both run support and pass coverage. Um, and yeah, and we mentioned we made mention of it a few times. We were like, man, you know, Stephanie's flying out, flying around out there, and then all of a sudden we see number five in the backfield, you know, taking handoffs and whatnot, and it's like, you know, he was described uh, by the coaches this summer as like a playmaker, and that's just become abundantly clear here, where where he kind of, you know, he's just he's always able to leave an impact, whatever he's doing, and and so I think that. I think it's probably pretty likely that he'll see some more snaps in the backfield, but um, I would imagine uh, long-term he's still going to stay more on the defensive side of the ball.
2: Yeah, I think he could probably see both ends of it. I think uh, they kind of mentioned it, well, like the next man up and sometimes you got to take it from different areas. Uh, I think he brings something special to both sides, Um, and especially with all these injuries, I think that's definitely something they could continue on with because I think Coach mentioned something about he was in the running back room last year or something. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So I think with him kind of having that experience, I think they could definitely look for him again.
0: No, and the only reason I ask you that is because Stefelski's rushing yards were not good. Receiving-wise, he finished four catches for 37 yards. He looked good catching out of the backfield. But if it's all relying on Jace Bauer, it's going to be keep your defensive ends home, stop the quarterback running, we're in the same boat again. Stepney, two of his plays got called back because of penalties, but they were monster runs and looked like nobody could keep up with him. We haven't seen that from a CME running back yet this year. Marion Lukes has done it a couple times. He's looked like, damn, he's got wheels. But one of them wheels is bumped. So where else do you go? Stepney's the only one with experience. All the other guys who they had played on the defensive side who came here as running backs have transferred. A, A plethora of players left the team from the running back room. It's got to be him. Now the other question comes, and we're not hearing a lot about this, but when does Lou come back? And does Lou come back this year? Because there's a NFL contract sitting on a table somewhere for that man. Do you come back and play when he's got six touchdowns and 489 rushing yards or 98 rushing yards this year? It's not like last year where he was setting pace for the whole country. What do you think we see from Lou?
3: Um,
1: You know, I think I think in from his point of view, like, I definitely think he will want to try to get back out there because obviously, you know, uh, this year it leaves a lot to be desired from him. Like, and that's I'm not necessarily going to put that on all on him. There's a lot of things, you know, the offense itself just isn't moving the way it did last year. But but if he, you know, there's a lot that that he could still accomplish by by coming back and uh, performing well and having a good closeout to the season. Because, I mean, like you said. Those contracts might dry up a little bit if if he finds himself out and and this week I mean Max said Coach Max said that he described him as probable, so you have to think that he's probably pretty close to a return already. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I would expect. Now, my question
0: with that is if he was probable and close, he, you think he would have suited up at some point when you've got nobody left? You got to go. But also they were getting smacked around. Do you put Lou back in? So I think you're right. And I've said this a couple times. If he keeps performing this way, those contracts are going to disappear. you got to imagine some people are like, oh, let's slow it down a little bit. Something's gone wrong. What do you think is going to happen with Lou Ashley?
2: I think he'll definitely make an appearance again. Kind of like what you said, well, if he was probable, he could have suited up. But I think at this point, I think halfway through the game, like Coach Mack was seeing how the things were going. So I think maybe it was kind of like, well, do we risk it? But I think maybe, I think probably like, against NIU we hope to see him back
0: no I agree and this is something I forgot about that I wanted to mention on Saturday during the game there was one source who said that Lou Nichols was going to play there's another source that said Lou Nichols was not going to play and then provided a picture if you're looking for news about CMU football I would follow Ryan Calores because he was the one who got it right Lou Nichols never touched the field Ryan was there the whole time the other tweet got deleted so I couldn't even call him out if I wanted to but now let's call out a team that they got to face next, NIU, who sucks as well. They're not the force that everybody thought NIU was going to be this year. On the 2nd of November, the first Maction game of the year, we play them in DeKalb, Illinois at 7 p.m. Although NIU is not a team that you need to be worried about, this team has showed that they can play up and they can play down to opponents. What's going to be the key to this for this team? Is it going to be starting Jace Bauer and letting him just run wild, or where do you think this team's going to pull out to victory? Because if we don't win all of them now, the bulls out of the question. We're not winning the Mac West, so you can rip up those dumb predictions we wrote earlier this year. Spent many hours on thousands of words just to be dead ass wrong. But what do y'all think's gonna happen? Because I think we smoke an IU. I think we see Jay's Bauer let that
1: mug rip. You know, I'm not as confident. I think that CMU is gonna go down and I think it's gonna be a much closer game because if you know, if you can field an offense that um that can somewhat reliably move the ball, then I think you can um, rely on your defense to to kind of get you out of some of the tough situations. Now, looking at uh, NIU, they are coming off of a loss to Ohio but beat Eastern Michigan earlier in the season. I don't know. Eastern Michigan has had moments but has also looked like a not-great team, so it's really hard right now to get a read on NIU. But... um, but yeah, I think that, um, I think NIU is similar to Bowling Green in the sense that just kind of like where they're playing right now. And I really do think you could have seen CMU give a better fight to Bowling Green had Bauer been under center the whole time and, um, you know, got some of, uh, his other offensive pieces moving. Cause he showed a clear connection with Joe Wilson, right. When he went out there, you know, he hit him a bunch of times in the second half and it's clear that he's, he's capable of it. And, um, I think Tefelsky, Jake Tefelsky, mentioned at the end of the game, uh, he, you know, he's really good at controlling the huddle and like getting everybody. and And so, I think for that reason alone, I think they will win. But I don't think it will be a blowout.
0: Well, this is your hometown team, Ashley. So, it is. It how is. do you think this is going to play out?
2: I think Central's going to come out with the win. Um, I kind of agree with Ryan said. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, kind of going off what he said about. Bauer kind of connecting right away with Joel. I think Bauer kind of brings a sense of, well, now in the season, he kind of brings a sense of relief, kind of like a fresh start in a way. So I think that'll kind of, uh, and with him starting maybe, I think that could potentially be a big uh, confidence boost in the start of the game versus kind of switching back and forth with D. Rich, with D. Rich's, the – previous games with d rich so i think i think it'll be a close game but i think they're gonna come out on top
0: so you guys stole all of my points i think that jace bauer is the key to the hot start that we've been asking about all year he we saw it and you meant you both mentioned it every time he came on the field the offense looked completely different than when d rich was right. out there and we couldn't explain it and then all of a sudden they let him play the whole time and it's like oh it makes sense he's just better at keeping himself calm under pressure maybe it's because d rich has had such a and up and down year, his confidence is shot. Who knows? And yet it has to be hard to get pulled and then have to go back in when he gets hurt, mm-hmm. think this is my job again. And then that man comes back the next drive yeah. after you let them scoop and score. Like, but it's also, it was time. Like yeah. 10 shots done ran out of bullets, my boy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was riding for D rich. I was, I was jacked up to have D rich as the quarterback after Oklahoma state. I was putting him in the Heisman conversation, but I, I think that the problem that D. Rich had is he got too focused on hitting Carrier on the outside and not Joel Wilson over the middle. Joel Wilson has been the most consistent pass catcher for this team all year. He leads them in grabs. He doesn't lead in yards. Carrier does in yards, but he's also a stretch-the-field type wide receiver. Wilson is not that. He's the, I'm going to move the chains, and I'm going to make something happen when it looks like nothing's going to work. Now do I see them smacking NIU? You're 100% right. I see us beating them by 14 points. I think that Jace Bauer provides a different energy, and McElwain is not a boisterous leader, so this might be a dumb take, but somebody in that mug is going to pump them up. They're going into enemy territory. This team has got to be sick of losing. Now, will, the, will anybody come back? That's my other question. If Lou comes back, I think we get a different game than we get if it's Tefelski and Bauer because nobody knows anything about Tefelski and nobody knows anything about Bauer. The book has been written about Lou, and the book has been written about D. Rich. I think we're going to explode. I think Tafelski goes over 100 on the ground and goes over 50 with the receiving side of it. You see Jace Bauer go for 300 yards for the first time in his career and 100 on the ground on some Mike Vick stuff. And I just think we got a different team. Now, I am the eternal optimist with this team. I've been saying we're going to beat everybody. I do believe in this team still. I I think it's going to take a monumental turn for us to get into a bowl. So if I'm gonna have you put a score on it,
1: who wins it and how does it go? Right. All right. Um I think I think it'll be a pretty a fairly high scoring game, at least compared to what we've seen. Um I th- I'm gonna go NIU twenty seven, CMU thirty. That is a close game. Yeah. How close do you think it'll be Ashley?
2: See I think it's gonna be kind of like a low scoring game. I don't know. I think it's going to be NIU 14 and CMU 24.
0: Well, you guys are both a little off of me. I think it's going to, well, I guess you're closer to me, right? And I think it's going to be a high scoring game. CMU hasn't broken 20 points in the past three games. I think we blow the top off of whatever their stupid stadium's called. I don't know the name of it. Don't want to learn it. Won't write it in a story. So I, I think we beat them 32-14. I think we run it up on them. And now we welcome on CM Life Volleyball Beat reporter, Kaya Zimmerman. How's it going, Kaya? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Well, Since the last time we talked, things have been going pretty well for volleyball. They're 14-8 and eight overall, 7-4 and four in the conference. They got a couple more losses than I said they would have at this point, Kaya. But they started this week off sweeping Eastern Michigan on Wednesday what did you see from the team in that match
4: well I think if there was any time for a comeback match it was there then they lost three of their last four coming into that match against Bowling Green and Ohio I think Bowling Green and Ohio are the top of the Mac East so not bad losses just you don't want that for your conference record and definitely not what you need in the middle of the season but they rebounding completely in East against Eastern Michigan Um, I think the biggest thing that I saw was uh, Mallory Hernandez. Uh, Mallory Hernandez didn't even start game two against Bowling Green. Uh, And then she comes in and gets 12 kills, gets three straight kills to secure the win.
0: Why didn't she start? What was the reasoning there? Do you know?
4: Um, I think they just wanted to try out uh, Christina Kassin at the right side. I think she has proved herself in practice is what Gallick was telling me. So I think they just wanted to go and see what she could do. Um, and he said that Mallory was going to get her chances, and he said that he's had talks with Mallory about her role and how she can get back in that starting role, and she came in this week and just absolutely dominated.
0: And that's where I was going to go next. In your article you posted last night, because after they smacked around Eastern Michigan, they gave the business to Miami of Ohio twice. If you haven't checked out the articles, go to see them, hyphenlife.com. Kai wrote some fire about the past two games. But in her most recent article, she talks about how Golic said he had a conversation with with her Hernandez. What came out of that conversation, Kyle?
4: Golic said, you know, he told her, sat her down saying, you're going to get hot in the second half. That's what he told her. And I think the biggest thing is that he wanted to remind her that they have confidence in her still, that she's not, you know, not going to start anymore, that she's, like, not as good as she was in the beginning. I think they just wanted to get that confidence back in her because she didn't have a good weekend versus Bowling Green. So... I think just instilling confidence in her in those meetings, um, and then they ended up working. She had 41 kills in the three-game stretch. Um, she hit 17 kills in the game, second game versus Miami in an 8-10 hitting percentage. That is insane. Like, I don't even know how to explain how crazy that is.
0: It's so good it won her MAC West Offensive Player of the Week, so it's, it's up there. And I cover volleyball a little bit. I've never seen numbers in the 800s. She's insane. She wasn't the only person who had an incredible performance this weekend. Maddie Whitfield broke some records. What happened there, Co?
4: So Maddie Whitfield uh, broke the CMU record for career solo blocks with 78 since rally scoring. And basically rally scoring began in 2001, and it's a different type of volleyball. Um, before that, there were like longer games, and so the records are a little bit higher, but since rally scorings in 2001, she broke that record with 78. Um, she broke Angelique White's record of 77. Uh, she played for CMU through 2012-2015, um, and Maddie broke it with 78. And the solo block was, I think everyone on the team knew that she was one away, so when she got that, it was a big moment, and crowd and everyone was with her, so it was cool.
0: No, and especially because she was hurt last year, I've mentioned this before, but... To see her breaking records that maybe she didn't even know if she would be able to get after hurting her leg or foot or ankle, whatever it was, she was in a boot. That's all I know. But overall, we talked about who broke records and whatnot. How did CMU look as a team? They had been a little off against Bowling Green State and Toledo. What have you seen from them lately?
4: I mean, I think Gallick said it uh, to in an interview with me. He said, I think it shows – when we're all clicking we're all working together how big and how good we can be so when we talk to players after the game you know they bring in the like the two most top performing people and golic said to us in that interview he said there could be six or seven of them sitting in there with us so i think that just shows how much of a team effort they've been using and how good they can be when they use that team effort i mean So many people stood out. I mean, you had Mallory Hernandez and Matty Whitfield, but then you also had Ali Gretiza with the service pressure, had six aces in the two games versus Miami. Romet having two good games as well. Erickson had nine kills in the second night. So I think there's just so many different players that can step up in different situations. And this week it was Mallory Hernandez, but next week it could be any of them. I think another thing that stood out to me is the seniors, Erickson, Hernandez, and Whitfield. There is a part in the lineup where they're up at the net. Erickson has left, Matias middle blocker, and Hernandez on the right, and that is when I think they are at their best. They have all their leaders at the front, and I think they just dominate in that portion. So it's really fun to watch this team when they're all working together.
0: No, you're right. They have been playing very well together lately, and it shows they're tied for second in the MAC West right now. Obviously, I said it early on, I believe they're going to make the tournament. I believe they're going to run through the tournament. Where, do, where does that look right now? How is my projection looking? Do you think they make the tournament? Where do you think they end up?
4: I think they do. I think, I mean, with me being optimistic, I think they have a chance to take the Mac West regular season. Um, I mean, Ball State hasn't lost since we beat them. So they would need Ball State to lose and they wouldn't need to win out. But I think with the rest of the season left, I think they have a good chance of winning out. Another thing that we didn't mention is they played their toughest teams in the first half of the MAC. You had Ball State, Toledo, and then you had Bowling Green and Ohio. Bowling Green and Ohio are leading the East. Toledo and Ball State are leading the West. So left you have teams that are beatable that you should be able to beat coming into this weekend with Akron and Buffalo and the rest of the season. So I do see them winning out with their with their season left and. I do see them getting a high seed going into the MAC tournament.
0: I've been on this boat the whole season. No, I agree, I've been on this boat all season. And one person you've mentioned throughout the year continuously when we talk is Claire Amaral. We didn't talk about her yet. What did you see from her this weekend? What have you seen from her lately?
4: I think in the weekend against Bowling Green, Claire Amaral didn't have as much of an impact on the team as she wished. I think her offensive attack is what has been leading her uh, as a different setter than everyone else in the MAC. And I think she got that going against Miami. And I think that was so important for her because she is such a vital point of their offensive attack. When you can take away or get points from your setter killing the ball, I feel like that adds such a different aspect than other teams have. So I think getting her going is such an essential part of this team. And I think they were able to do that again. So I think that's super important. And I think she's talked about building that relationship with Maddie and Mallory, such a essential part the setter and you know offensive attack relationship so they got that going this week and I think that's the biggest part of their success is getting that relationship going
0: she's a young player she's a freshman how does she keep it going because I think you're correct you said this a bunch of times but she does she's a different type of setter than what you see not just in the MAC across college volleyball she's a threat everywhere how how does she keep it going as we get to the stretch run of this season where it's going to be the most important because you can't be hit or miss when MAC tournament time comes. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, and we've seen her have her misses. So I think the biggest thing is I think keep firing on the offensive attack. You know, even if she does make errors sometimes, she does hit it out of bounds because of the way she is trying to kill the ball. It is different than getting that run up and hit like the other attackers do. But I think if she can just keep going, and she surprises the defense a lot. So I think having that surprise effect and just continue to work on the offensive attack while also working on her relationship with the other people on the offensive attack, I think, is the essential part that she needs to do to be able to keep it going.
0: No, I agree. You're right. I just think it's going to be – as a freshman, it's easy to lose confidence, and I think that's what we need to be looking out for down the stretch because if she does lose confidence, they've got – what is her name? Motherfucker. Number one. Cameron? Yeah, they got Cameron Olsen who – Has been a good setter for this team at times, especially last year. She helped out. But Amaral is the difference maker, as you've said. And I think that if she loses anything, this team, say she loses 50%, the team loses 200% because of it. Because she sets up Mallory and Maddie and Bredgement. Like, this team is stacked. If she can keep it moving, I don't think anybody's touching them. I think your prediction of undefeated... Is spot on. Now, I'm a homer for CMU. I still believe the football team's going to win a game. <laughs> and that, that seems an impossibility. So we talked about it a little bit, but they play Akron on Friday, October 28th at 6 p.m. Where is it? On the road? On the road, okay. on the road. And then on Saturday, they head to Buffalo at for a 4 p.m. game. What are your predictions for the weekend, Kaya?
4: I mean, like I said I think they're going to win outside I do you think they're going to win these games it is vital that they be Akron Akron's 2 and 9 in the conference you know this is a you know you never know what's going to happen you know in the MAC it doesn't matter the record but this is a game they should win and they need to win if they want to keep up their chances of winning the MAC West and then Buffalo's going to be yeah they're 5 and 6 in the in the conference and they're third in the MAC East, so definitely a bigger competition than Akron. But so I do think it's going to be a bigger challenge. I do st- still think they can come away with the win based on how Buffalo has been playing. Um, but you never know. So it's MAC. So I think it's really important that they get these two wins because then you go into you know who you're tied with in the MAC West after that going against Northern Illinois. So I think getting these two on the road wins. Is going to be important, but I think it's also important to look at they have to go from Akron, Ohio, to Buffalo, New York and play a game at 4 p.m. the next day. So I think that's a big factor as well.
1: To
0: look at. If they drop a set, it'll be against Buffalo because of the travel, like you said. Otherwise, sweep city, bring the brooms on the bus because you're going to need them <laughs> to sweep up all the wreckage. And that's been this week's coverage of volleyball. I appreciate you, Kyle Thank you for joining me. And now we welcome on CM Life Assistant Sports Editor and Soccer Beat Reporter Ashley Bergness. How's it going, Ashley? It's
2: going good. Well,
0: it's not going good for the soccer team. Although they're scoring goals now, they're doing better than what we have seen previously. They're 2 and 10 and 5 on overall and they're 1 5 and 4 in the MAC. They most recently tied with Kent State on Sunday. Thursday they lost 2-1 to Buffalo. We'll start with Kent State because that's the game that I'm the most interested in currently. They held a 2-0 lead, and then things fell apart. Yeah. So what happened, Ashley?
2: So, yeah, they, they came out the first period. They were they scored their first goal off a penalty kick. So I think that kind of gave them some confidence, gave them a spark. Um, and then literally I think like two minutes after that, they scored again. So they were up 2-0 against Kent State. Kent State's one of the top teams right now. Uh, and then they kind of went into halftime, came back. Uh, the first goal Kent State scored, uh, I think it was just kind of unlucky. And then the second one, the second goal was kind of a mess. It was, I described it as like it was a pileup in front of the goal. Like you couldn't even, from the stands, you couldn't even see what was going on. Uh, yeah, there, I think there's probably like five people on the ground in front of the goal. And then next thing you know, Kent State's just cheering. You're like, oh, they scored? So, And then it was kind of like, well, now it's tied, and there's like not that much time left. Uh, But it was possible to score again because they were playing very well. But um, it didn't end that way.
0: And you mentioned this in your story, which you can check out cm-life.com to check out Ashley's fire soccer coverage. Groves mentioned that they knew Kent State was going to bring it to them that's what you saw in the second half. Right. But you mentioned that they played well down the stretch. This team's only got one game left. Do you think that they're going to pull out a win, or do you think we're going to see some more sadness?
2: I think this team has been so close. Like, this second half of the season, they have been right there with them. And the last few teams they've played are, are at the top, and they've hung with them. It's been like a tie or a one-score game. So I think, and especially after – Sunday's game. I think that I think they can pull out a win to end the season. With it being Ball State and coming off their tie against Kent State, because they led the whole time, but I think they can definitely come out with a win. And with it being the last game too, they they have everything to like, you know. I got nothing to lose.
0: I know exactly what you're saying because I kind of feel that. And I also Groves has kept this optimism throughout the season, but he's also been very real about the struggles his team has had. I think that's been refreshing where do you think he sees this team at right now how does he feel about the progress his young players have made
2: oh he's so proud so happy with the way his team has uh, come about at the beginning of the season with they had a lot of injuries and they had to look to their younger players and i think at the beginning he was definitely a little worried and uh and it showed with the results of their games early in the season but Uh, he's said this multiple times of the younger players are understanding what they have to do for this team to be successful with where they're at player-wise. With all the injuries, they have to step up or they're not going to get anywhere.
0: No, I agree. And one of the players we mentioned constantly on this program is Emma Shingler, the freshman goalie. I looked at her numbers, her minutes compared to anyone else on the team. Krupasavik is the other goalie. She's got a quarter of the minutes, Shingler's gotten goals. So I think going forward, that's going to be a great stepping stone for her. She's got 85 saves on the season and one shutout. What do you think we're going to see from her going forward? Do you think she takes another leap next year with all of this experience and all of this? It's not just regular experience where you're like, oh, it's been fun. It's been brutal at times for her. So,
2: Right, yeah. I think Shingler has done absolutely amazing, and she's only going to get better. She... She has been up against very tough teams with their schedule, and uh, she's showed a lot of promise throughout the season, I think. You could definitely see the progression of her. Uh, But I think next year she's going to be absolutely amazing. And with, I think, Allison, she's been out all season with a concussion. So if she comes back next year, she will definitely, they're going to be, I think they're going to be unstoppable.
0: Although Shingler has stood out to me, to you, to everybody who's watched, Megan Logue leads the team in goals with four. She's a junior. Ashley Sesniak has three goals and five assists, which is tied for the lead. Elizabeth Chulston has five assists. They've got some offensive power on this team, who all of them will be back next year. Do you think that, not just for the goalie, but for this whole team, this is going to be one of those? Much like what we saw with volleyball last year, they struggled mightily this year they're smacking people around do you think the people who are here when we graduate are going to get to see a good soccer team
2: I think so yeah I think with the younger players too they've gotten this experience and I think from here you can really only go up and especially (laughs) yeah and next year with those younger players having that experience of this situation of low numbers and the losing season I think uh next season is going to be very, very successful for them.
0: No, I agree. And I think one thing that has hurt them this year is the the age of this team. You don't – these five draws, if you have an older team or more experience, they're not going to probably all be draws. You're going to get something. I think going forward, it's going to be a team to watch definitely because Groves has got players who will not quit fighting. They've been – down pretty bad at times this year and i never saw them quit fighting do you feel that that's something he's instilled in this team so far
2: absolutely i think he kind of has this mentality of like no matter the score no matter the time you keep fighting you're out there to play and you play hard and i think it's shown uh they've come back from deficits but they've also you know given up leads (laughs) but i think uh i think they've continued to fight all season
0: I agree. And now we talked about it a little bit, but they end their season on Thursday, October twenty seventh at three PM in Mount P. It's prediction time, my favorite time. Do you think that they wrap this game up and win it?
2: Yes, I do. I think I think they're gonna come out with a win. I really think this team, it's they've been so close and I think they're gonna come out with a win on Thursday, especially with it being their last game. I think they have like I said, nothing to lose. Everything to gain, kind of.
0: No, I agree. And I think I'm going to make a score prediction. I don't do this often, but I think they win 4 1. And I would take that to the house. I think you're going to see some fire out of these players. I do think Shingler will give up a goal. She tends to give up one or two, but I I think she shuts the door. It might be an early goal and she stands on her head the rest of the day. But either way, how was your experience covering this team, Ben, Ashley? How would you feel? The season's almost over. It's time to reminisce a little bit. When you look back, how are you going to explain this to people?
2: So, like last year, my very first beat was field hockey. I didn't know anything about field hockey. Um, same thing this year. I didn't know anything about soccer. So, girl did her research, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but getting on to my my very first soccer game that I covered was against Michigan State, and they lost 7-0. to So, that was an experience. After that game, I was like, okay, but it's also Michigan State, you know? Yeah. And then... next game you know they lost again uh but throughout the season I think I've really enjoyed seeing this team grow and improve it's been very cool to see how the beginning of the season and hear hearing Groves talk about it too about these younger players and kind of like kind of seeing what he's been talking about uh with the younger players and uh, seeing at the beginning of the season how it was definitely a struggle, but now seeing these younger players like Cezniak step up and she's made strides this second half of the season. Uh, I think that's definitely been my favorite thing about covering this team.
0: No, and I'm glad I asked because I didn't even think of that. The It was a rough year to begin. <laughs> Nobody knew where Allison the point was. People were asking on Twitter where she is. To see them drawing with teams like Kent State and – to be leading the game and have it in the bag almost, like, that's pretty cool. Because I, I thought you were going to have the type of year field hockey's had. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same. It has no. been much better than that, though.
2: Yeah, even though, like, the records are pretty similar, the win column is very empty. It's, 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 It's been very fun to cover this team. Because uh, even after the losses, like the close losses, the ties, also we should talk about these ties because this new rule is, I think, ridiculous. But I guess a tie is better than a loss.
0: No, I, I think the ties should be abolished. It makes the record almost impossible to say out loud.
2: Okay, like, right? And then it's like I think about, okay, are the top teams, like, are they really the top teams?
0: No, I agree. And like, the, how do you rank people with the ties? What is the point system? like? right. You don't know anybody's better than anybody if you don't win. No. Now, the other point of that is we could have 18 overtimes where nobody scores a goal and people are dying on the field.
2: That's <laughs> true. And I guess with this team, with the younger players, it's probably the best for a tie. But
0: they should change the rule going forward. I I will support you on that. That's not a high Definitely.
2: Take. <laughs> I mean, at least have one overtime.
0: Yeah, give them a chance to right. win the game. i give exactly. you that. And this team, I think that if you would have put the pressure on them like that, where it's winter go home kind of thing, I think we would have seen better results from the women's soccer team. I agree. All right, Ashley. Well, thank you for talking about soccer with me. And now a word from our sponsor. Green Tree Co-op Market is ready for fall. Their new location is just one mile from CMU's campus and open from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily, offering more fresh, delicious local options than ever before, including a bakery and a daily hot bar, This location also has indoor and outdoor seating, larger produce and meat departments, and a student discount every Friday. Stop by anytime for fresh coffee, quick snacks, easy meals, hair and skin care, savory soups, and all the fall essentials. Green Tree, now at 410 West Broadway, Mount Pleasant. Visit greentree.coop for more information. And now we welcome on CM Life field hockey beat reporter, James Bessenhofer. How's it going, James? It's doing great. How are you, Sean? Pretty good. So it's been a while since we've been on the podcast last. Field hockey was in a horrible winless streak. 13 games it got extended to. But on October 16th, a Sunday at 11 a.m., they laid the wood on Lindenwood. Didn't mean to do that. No pun intended. (laughs) No pun intended. 6-0 victory. You covered the game, James. What did you see from the team in that victory?
3: I saw a hot start, actually, and, uh, you know, a couple of the games during the 13-game losing streak, we would get off the hot starts, but it would be a period or two periods, and then we wouldn't get a shot off in the second half or stuff like that. Like, we just slow down. This game, we actually kept up the pace and kept it for all four periods. Uh, You know, our three main players, three main offensive players we've been talking about all year, Amelia Lane, Uh, Kate Bigland, Alice O'Hagan showed up, and we also got extra help from Rachel Ruttenberg. She showed up this game, had two goals. Uh, Amelia Lane also had two goals, and then of course, Kate Bigland, and Alice O'Hagan also had a goal for each of them. Uh, Really just saw better defensive play to this game, you know, only limiting him to not really that much offensive uh, or time of possession. Uh, Didn't really get that many shots off didn't really create many opportunities. Only three shots on goal. Uh, really, it was just one-sided, which was surprising for me actually, because I thought, you know, it was the second game on the road. We already lost a tough loss to Ohio on that Friday, and going to going going to Lindenwood on that Sunday against a decent 500 uh, Lindenwood team, and uh, came out and uh, yeah did did the business uh 1 six0 pretty actively uh two goals in the first period in the first period one in the second or two in the second and then one in the third and one in the f- and two in the fourth
0: uh, and you mentioned Amelia Lane she's a freshman she's gonna be a bright spot for this team for years to come I feel like she's been really coming out strong lately but it's all it's been the past two games that they lost will go on to them now Alice O'Hagan has been She's still been the driving force for this team, in my opinion. I feel like if it's not her, it's Kate Bigland, and that's really all you hear about. Yeah. They lost two or three two to Michigan State last Wednesday in Mount Pleasant. What happened in that game? Because that's a lot closer than their first Michigan State match was this year.
3: And just to touch back about the year Amelia, Amelia Lane is having: uh, fifteen games played. She didn't start the first two games of the season. She has four goals and six assists. She's 14 points on the season. That is second in points, tied with Alice O'Hagan. Only Kate Bigland with 21 leads her. So yeah, like you said, an amazing seas- season she's having for freshmen, and really just a bright spot for the team looking forward in the years to come. And uh, yeah, and the, you said the Michigan State game. Uh, obviously, we played them earlier in an exhibition game probably two months ago, three, two? First game of the year. Yeah, two months ago in an exhibition match and uh, did not go our way one bit ever. It was kind of a blowout. But uh, in this game, we start off hot. I mean, Kate Bigland off a rebound goal that um, I think Amelia Lane shot the corner penalty. And uh, Kate Bigland reflected it for a rebound goal. And then just again, like we talk about uh, the slow starts, you know, we start off hot. And then in the second period... We don't keep that energy. And uh, you saw that in the second period where MSU back to back goals, taking the lead two to one. But I liked in the third period of that game, at least you saw some fight back. We saw shots on goal, opportunities created in the third period. And it ended up working out for us as one of those went in again. And of course, who else scored but Kate Biglin again? Uh, she's been really in these last couple, five, six games really all of our offense. I mean, if you look at the goals scored, she separated herself from the team in goals scored and points and assists, really just doing everything she can for the team offensively. And uh, unfortunately in the fourth quarter, you know, we just couldn't really get that, anything going really. Uh, MSU seven shots in the fourth period. We only had three. I don't think we had a shot on goal. In the fourth period and uh, Michigan State found one late in the fourth late in the fourth period and uh won the game
0: like you said they have had some spurts of offense the game they just most recently lost against Miami Ohio the offense died completely they lost six zero where do you think this team fell apart because they had a stretch of games where they looked pretty decent you know what I'm saying they were holding teams down what happened in this one
3: yeah the Miami Ohio game you really have to take with the Grain of salt, I would have to say. I mean, they're first in the MAC. Uh, they have a 10 and 6 record overall. They're five and one in the MAC. They're currently on a three-game winning streak. So really, just a run into them after a tough Michigan State fourth-period loss. Uh, heads were kind of down, and uh, yeah, they really took advantage of us. I think the Chateau. Didn't knock her away at all. I think it was like forty-eight to eight or something like that. Let me, yeah, you ain't winning like that. Let me pull up. Yeah, uh, forty-eight to nine. My bad. Only three shots on goal for us. Uh, and just honestly allowing too many opportunities in that game. Uh, Miami had twenty-two penalty kicks, so corner kicks. That yeah. sets up offense right away. Yeah. Uh, for none of you, for those people who don't know, field hockey. I mean, that really sets up your offense right there. You could do anything you want off of those, kind of just like in soccer. But, uh, yeah, to give up 22 of those, you're bound to let a couple of goals in with that. And it's they're doing the same thing. Maha Halaz is
0: facing 100 shots a game. Not Obviously, I'm hyperbolizing, but like this is the team we saw against Appalachian State and things like that. This is not the same team that we saw two games ago.
3: Yeah, no. They went on that. Went in that three-game stretch, played Ohio close, won against Lindenwood, and then really played Michigan State close. And then kind of went back to their 13-game droughts where, yes, Mahalala's was facing 50 shots a game, and she can't do everything. I mean, she made 20 saves in the game. Yeah. could have been way worse. You're looking at, like, a 14 nothing game without her. So, uh, But really what we talked about earlier in the year was who would win the goalie competition, we were trying to get out of Coach Johnstone, but she wouldn't answer us. We were really just figuring out, like, okay, because we saw both of them earlier in the season, you know, split reps. One would play with the first half. The other would play the second half. Yeah. Really what you see now down the stretch of those six games is that Mahala's won the competition, obviously. They feel comfortable with her Her in that.
0: No, I agree. I think that's that perfectly shows that, like, she won the competition. She's going to be the person Johnstone trusts going forward. Touching a little bit on the future, a lot of freshmen have contributed a little bit for this team. Do you think that's going to help them going forward? Because when you go through a year where you're 2-15, and 15, you can get experience, and then you can get experience like that. You know what I'm saying? That can either make or break this team. How do you think they go forward?
3: I think they go forward fine. I think it was just an experimental year for Coach, for Coach Johnstone. Uh, she has Amelia Lane. Uh, she has Hannah Havrilla, who... We haven't really talked about her, but she's been a huge asset on the team. But she is losing Rachel Ruttenberg, Kate Biglin, and Alice O'Hagan. That's going to hurt. So, so that will hurt, including most of those girls were the offensive power. Uh, but, you know, they have Maha Halaz in that. She's a freshman. She's only She's got a ton of experience in that freshman year. That's a huge thing. Uh, she's won the coach – coaching Battle, she now has trust that coach Johnson trusts her in that so that will help moving forward so we just got to see huge game coming up Saturday against Longwood uh battle for really the battle for last place in the MAC uh oh we are oh six in the MAC and uh they're one and five so if we win the game we jump to one and six with them go above them and uh finish the season at least not in last place in the MAC
0: yeah the tournament's not happening but it- we can no. hope for not last place. It would be great to see them end the year with a win. I feel like they need it, you need it, I need it as the editor. <laughs> like we we need some victories over here.
3: Also, it would be a special special day for uh, the team as you know. Kate Bigland, Alice Hagen, Rachel Rottenberg, all those seniors getting admired on Senior Night, for, yeah. Senior Day. You could technically say, I guess, with eleven a.m. start, but. Senior day—it should be a special moment for them, and uh, yeah, hopefully we get a win, advance, move up in the MAC rankings, and uh, end the end the season on at least a good note for what has been a rough season.
0: You ain't lying. Now, my favorite part of the show—what do you think is going to happen on Saturday? Do we get the dub, or is it sadness till next year?
3: I think we get a—I think we get a win. I think we see. You know Kate Bigland and Alice Hagen really perform in this game since it's senior night, their last game ever. I think you see something special out of them. I think they push us over the edge with the help of Amelia Lane, and I think we really we win this. Don't come in last place in the MAC, and uh, Coach Johnson can uh, keep the team on a high note going into next season. All right, James, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Sean.
0: And now we welcome on CM Life Hockey Extraordinaire, Megan Youngblood. How's it going, Megan?
5: I'm good, Sean. How are you today?
0: Pretty good, and we're going to start with the women's hockey team, which is my favorite team on campus. They continued their hot streak against Bowling Green. They're now 4-0 on the year. The first game of the two, Kylie Del Rey was the number one star for the team. She scored three goals, had two assists. What did you see from her on that night, Megan?
5: I just saw a bunch of energy from her and just constantly attacking and being in the zone and being aggressive. And I think that's important because you need someone who brings that energy even if the team's energy is down. But, I mean, so I just think from her it's almost like a bit of – I don't want to say leadership, but she's definitely got a little bit of leadership in her even though she's so young. But that's what I saw from her is that she's putting herself out there every night because she wants this team to win, obviously, as much as anyone.
0: And when I talked to Emily Castilney, who's the, the assistant captain of the team, the president of the club, she said that Del Rey's leadership stood out immediately. She's been everywhere at practice. She's She may be a freshman, but she's got wisdom beyond her years, and I think you saw that in that game. Now, the second game, she didn't have as great of a night. She was still everywhere flying around. Caitlin Williams got her first goal as a Chippewa, and she's incredibly fast. That's one girl we'll swing back around to. But Declan Wotus scored the game winner in overtime first setup how they even got to overtime how did the game play out and then what was that final goal like
5: that game it was intense they were both Bowling Green and the Chippewas were kind of all over the place and it was uh, a little bit of a back-to-back I mean there was the final score was two to one so it was a one-to-one game and going into overtime it's always you feel that pressure you feel that excitement and for Wotus to get that goal was really not only important, obviously, for the win for the team, but for her because she took a few penalties along the game because playing in Canada, she uh, is used to body checking and hits are allowed and they're not here in the ACHA for some reason. And so she was really down on herself to so be able to come back and not only score the first goal of her collegiate career, but the game winner was huge for her because it just kind of made up for all those... Uh, penalties that she had and so she definitely was very enthused that she got her first goal and she wanted it to be um a slap shot goal she said she's I really want to have a slap shot goal so I'm glad that my first goal was a slap shot and she said it felt good winning for the team because she wanted it for them
0: and it was awesome to see her get it I watched the game back and I looked at some of the hits and I was like that that seems like a bogus call she didn't bury them into the board she just kind of brushed her body on them and they couldn't stay up
5: it's just that because hitting like there's no hitting allowed in the women's ACHA hockey. And, I mean, obviously there's the accidental contact that doesn't get called because, like, there's no way you can avoid hitting someone when you're going for a puck. Yeah. But there are certain plays where it makes sense that it's a penalty because it gets called in the men's leagues too. But it's definitely a lot more because it's not allowed. And um, Declan really said she has to get used to positioning her body right so she doesn't go in to check them. Instead, she just kind of brushes them and shoves them gently but not, like, completely, like – shoving them into the boards.
0: I agree. I think that it'll be a challenge for her, but I think that she's going to be a star for this team too. I've I've said it a couple times, but Mac Barnett put this team in a position where they're going to win championships. And she's always said, I just want to come back and see them as winners. You're going to see them as winners while you're in this mug. It feels Definitely. like they, the playoffs are, they're here for the taking. I feel like they weren't this good last year. They didn't start undefeated. They look crazy. Good.
5: They do look crazy. And I think it's because they finally found their footing, their team. You know, they. I mean, for, for years it's been Mac Barnett trying to get the team together, trying to find something. And now she finally has people she can rely on. That's not just Emily Castling because that was something she could rely on. Yeah. And then now she has Kylie Delray, she has Declan Wotus. she has all these other players that are stepping up for her.
0: No, I agree, and I, it just makes me happy to see it because I covered them last year when they were on the struggle bus, and right now it's like they're riding first class everywhere. They are. High on the hog, and it's deserved. And it, watching them play, actually getting to go to Martin Ice Arena, my car not breaking down after, one, that's a positive. Felt great. Actually got to go to the arena three times in one day or something, and it didn't break down, which is <laughs> that's a new record. But just to see it live and see how they, they're flying around. Caitlin Williams is so
5: fast. Oh, she is. She I is. thought
0: Kylie was gonna be the speedster. She—it's Williams, and yeah. it's all day.
5: I definitely think I don't want. They're more like disciplined this year, and their skating is so much better. And they just seem like they know where they're going at all times. And even when there is a mistake made, it's not like a. They look. I hate to say, it, but they look sloppy last year. And I think this year, even in those small moments that are sloppy, they immediately pick it back up because, like I said, there's someone else to pick up the slack. And I don't think they had that last year as much. They really only had Mac. Barnett trying to pick up the slack and now it's not all on her
0: the two things that they had last year we've seen this year Lauren Abraham and Brianna Shore Brianna is the backup goalie it appears but the times that she's been called on she has done what was needed she has played outside of her mind Lauren Abraham is a a different monster (laughs) when she's in that I feel like we got Dominic Hasek back in (laughs) (laughs) 0405 like I just I don't know I think that we're gonna be incredible maybe i'm wrong i i don't know what it's gonna be this is their first road trip this weekend october 29th they head to northern michigan first games at 6 p.m the next day they play them at 1 p.m this is as haney said this is their first road trip this will be the first time they're sleeping in hotels they're gonna learn a lot about the team but what do you think is going to happen this weekend
5: i honestly see the weekend going split i think maybe the first game they might get their first loss i hope it doesn't happen but i could see it just because it is their first game on the road they're traveling in northern michigan that's a hike
0: yeah so it's not close
5: it's not close so and i know they probably are going the night before and everything but it's still getting used to being on the road because it's it's an excitement thing too i mean any person who's played a sport no matter what level anytime you go on a road trip and especially if you're in a hotel there's the excitement of the first night so i think they're going to be a little too excited the first night, but I think the next day they're going to come back and they're going to get that win. So that's my prediction is that they split the weekend. I hope, I am hope I'm wrong, but I can just see the excitement getting a little too much to them because Haney's even talked about how like they're excited, but that they, they, he needs to tone them down at certain points and doesn't let it get to their head. So I think it might get to their heads a little bit that they're undefeated. They're going on a road trip, but Declan Woda said it best. She said, I think Northern Michigan definitely has something coming to them. So they're ready for it, but it's almost a little too much." Confidence. I mean, they deserve yeah, it but and they they've
0: earned it. it, and it's good to see it finally because
5: they didn't have it. We for...
0: didn't see it last year. No. They didn't feel confident at all. Now, I I feel the energy when I walk in there, and like, yeah, that wasn't the case last year at their games. There was people there, and there might be less people this year, but it is that place is crunk when they're playing. Yeah,
5: especially in the overtime, the um, standing on the sides of the glass. There were so many people around us that were like every shot that they were taking. And when that final – when that goal went in yeah. and everyone saw it, everyone around us went absolutely nuts, and they feed off of that too. So I think being that too, they're going to be – they're not going to be in their home crowd this weekend too, so I think that could be a big factor. But I see a split this weekend.
0: Your boy thinks they're sweeping them all. Let's <laughs> keep it real. I'm, I'm undefeated women's hockey until they lose. Like Declan Moda said, I think teams got something coming to yeah. them, and I don't think they have any idea. Like, you might see the tape or whatever and be like, oh, they're better than last year. Wait till you get on the ice with these people. <laughs> <laughs> they're different. Now a team who I said was going to stay undefeated, who didn't stay undefeated, men's Division Three hockey. They lost to Florida Gulf Coast University 3-1 last weekend. What happened, Megan?
5: They just didn't look good at all against Florida Gulf Coast. I mean, they didn't look like the CMU hockey that's been playing these past four games before, and... It was just – they just – they couldn't create momentum on anything. They had four unsuccessful power plays, and usually they're pretty dominant on their power plays. But Cataline just said it best. He said, we lost. and But, like, that's all he had to say is that they were just not playing the way that they normally do. And I just don't know what happened to them that game. It was just – Florida golf coach just came out swinging and just had the momentum the whole time, and it just – the was never found it.
0: It wasn't the best game for you, but it was lit for me because I got to watch a fight in the corner where we were standing and dudes punching each other in the face with helmets on, like, not doing much. Oh, yeah, you did see that. But it was beautiful to me. It, And that's the one thing that I'm going to get called all sorts of names for this, but, like, I feel like women's hockey is missing that edge of, like, here's your enforcer. Mm-hmm. And I've said this to you before in <laughs> private discussions, Mac Barnett would lay the wood on so many people that, like...
5: <laughs> she would, but, yeah.
0: She's... A, she is a monster on skates.
5: She would be the enforcer. Yeah, definitely.
0: And the weekend didn't get better for the men's team. They lost 4-3 on Sunday to Fair State. Well, this was at home, so they were in front of their home fans. It didn't go the way they wanted. What happened, Megan? Because they had a lead at one point.
5: Yeah, they had a th- um they were up 3-0. And so they so Fair State had four unanswered goals. And I just think the penalties they got way too many of them and it got in their heads. And Kevin even admitted it, that they need to start playing more discipline, and that few penalties were obviously deserved, and you need to have those certain penalties. Like, sometimes if you trip a player, that stops them from scoring, and that's okay. But it started to get a little out of hand. And same thing with Florida Golf Coast. There were a lot of heated moments. So there was, like, shoving, pushing, shoving some fights, but, like... It shouldn't get in their heads, but it has started to, and I think that they just need to play more discipline because it's getting too out of hand. Because they even had that problem last year where they would get penalties after penalties and teams would continue to score on them during their penalties, and they just need to be a little more disciplined.
0: So what does Cataline do to rein that in? Because discipline, in my mind, comes from the top down.
5: As of right now, he said he had a long talk with them and just kind of like keeping them calm. I don't really know what his plan is. Moving on, I think just trying not to let the bad calls go to their heads because a lot of times it isn't miss calls and it seems like there's more calls on them than it was on Ferris State during that game. And that was true. And that's, they just, he just needs to kind of enforce into them that. Listen, like, yes, it sucks, but like at this point there's nothing we can do about it. Like we can't control what the refs do, how they call the game, but the more you play into it, the more Ferris is gonna play into it, and the more Ferris is gonna back off and get you pissed off. So he just he's a big like advocate for like having long talks. He's not a very loud, he doesn't yell, he just kinda has like long talks with the team and he did that before the second period to try and get the guys back in their heads.
0: I like that strategy to be honest with you. I think we, it's only two games, so who knows what it's gonna lead to. But I think his big focus needs to be you can't control what happens to you if they're gonna have, and I'm gonna air quotes this ref like favoritism, mm-hmm. go bury goals, right. go put because they've got goal scores. they do they've got shooters everywhere. you yeah. could put them. you could bury teams and pucks. but like you said, if you can't stay disciplined, they're going to keep killing you while you're shorthanded and you can't do anything yeah. about it.
5: And of course their biggest goal scorer I already know is Isaac Gibbs. And on the contrary, Isaac Gibbs is also probably one of their biggest hotheads. He gets he gets um targeted more because he is their number one he's goal scorer. The, he's the Gretzky and we get targeted. <laughs> but he I think he's the biggest person that needs to work on his I don't want his temper basically because he probably had four penalties this past weekend.
0: And if he's not on the ice, you're not No. You're losing a a humongous advantage with that stick because that man can shoot.
5: You're you're losing a major part of your offense because he's even on penalty kills because you need an offensive player on your penalty kill just in case you get a chance. And
0: And there's no better offensive player right now than him. Heck no. Not at least on this men's D3 team. No. Now they had a week off, which hopefully you enjoyed your little break from covering teams and freezing in Martin Ice Arena. But on the 28th, they head to Notre Dame for a game at 7 p.m., the 29th, they stay in Indiana and play Notre Dame again at 1 p.m. Do they stop the skid, Megan?
5: I do. I think they're going to come back with a win because they had a week off, so that kind of gives them time to clear their heads and let the weekend sink in, and I think that's exactly what they need is they almost needed this as like a knockdown. They were getting a little too cocky with themselves and they needed which I
0: don't blame them right there's I was cocky for them I was in here like we're never losing again
5: (laughs) they need to let this weekend sink in and that not everything's going to be as easy and um they took the week off they only had two practices and they're coming back this week practicing every day and going into Notre Dame so I think they're going to get at least one win for sure out of it I hope to but I don't think they're going to keep with the loon Street because this team bounces back they've always done that they've lost one and they usually come back which is why I was surprised they lost on Sunday after Losing on Saturday, so I think they are going to come back on their win streak.
0: This is the team that was deciding on goalies, right?
5: Yeah. The three-way tie, I think they've decided now. You However, they're going to keep
0: know. the decision after you just gave up four straight. I don't know.
5: Because, okay, Florida wasn't our fault, so. Hold on, I'm going to ask the question.
0: Okay, you're going to speak on it. I was just I was okay. going to okay. see if you would talk about it. You want to talk about I it? I am. So I got you. So we've talked about this a couple times. They have had a competition for the goalie. Going into the weekend, you said that it was pretty well solidified. Do you think Loren Jones has a job still? Do you think he's going to come back as the number one against Notre Dame?
5: I do think he's going to come back because you can't blame him at all, really. Because Florida Gulf Coast, we couldn't score. That wasn't – you know, you you can't – you have to rely on your goalie to stop pucks going in, but you also have to get pucks in the net for your goalie because it can't just be him blocking every shot. You know, he did what he could. So I do think he still has a start. I mean, I might think maybe this weekend there might be a switch off. At least I think Elijah might get another chance. Maybe even Joel, but I think Loren's going to be the starter and going to probably start the first game and maybe get the second game off because they've had a long week of practices, so he's had a long break. or he's had a, They have a week off practice, so he's had a long break. And I think this will this weekend he will still be in that.
0: So. I, was, I just wonder because give up four straight, the team looks like they're struggling, but you know hockey more than me, and it's not always the goalie.
5: Right, like Florida Gulf Coast it was three to one. We scored one goal. We were unsuccessful in our power plays. It's not the goalie's fault, right they now. They looked
0: bad that game. It, they they, they looked out of sorts, and I don't know what it was. Yeah, so like,
5: they did. It was like I said, it's not the goalie's fault. It was not even. The, I'm not even blaming defense. The offense was not on their game, and I think it was because of penalties. That's the biggest thing is that they need to be disciplined on penalties because they got way too many
0: and if teams figure that out that could be a problem for them going forward it's like hey just make them mad and look what happens now we just started covering this team and it was a loss also the men's d2 hockey team played against adrian this weekend it was a fun game it was a chippy game i learned the term sleuth footing didn't know that existed (laughs) but now i hate number 24 from adrian it was a 3-2 game ended in a shootout what happened megan
5: I just think they lost their momentum at one point, but it wasn't a bad. I mean, it was a loss, but it wasn't a bad one. And this, I think, was the first time that they've really competed and had a chance. Because even um, head coach Sean Boyle um, said he's they're finally getting healthy. They have almost all their players um, back. You know, they had nine to ten guys out last month with injury, with sickness, whatever. So they're finally getting those, all those players back and being able to compete with all these teams that have. A 20 plus roster and they only have like a 15 which doesn't sound like a big difference but
0: it isn't hockey it is when shifts are a minute or less than a minute <laughs> that's a lot less people than 20
5: right so I just they just have right now that they have a problem finishing the game and that's exactly what Boyle said is that they can play against these top teams because Adrian won their division last year they were the champions last year so to be able to Lose three to two of them is after you pretty much had a losing season last year is not bad, so no, they, they just... made
0: they made Adrian sweat it. It definitely felt like Adrian got chippy because they were losing the game and they didn't want to be. So I'll give you that i I think you're right on that. I didn't know Adrian was that big of a school because I never even heard of that place. The injuries thing is a big deal, but they've got him back. When you talk to Boyle, what else does he think this team needs to work on where now that they can compete, where does he want to improve?
5: He wants to improve them on just like finishing the game and not just starting it, and that's what he stresses: finishing the game and keeping that momentum alive because they had it and then all of a sudden they just lost it, and that's the biggest thing is that they just need to keep finishing their games and finishing those shots and not letting when because they were up one they had a two to two to nothing lead and then um, Adrian started coming back so they just need to keep that momentum on their side and I think. Adrian scoring, even their first goal, kind of took them, and they're like, damn, they scored, so they need to not let one goal, even two goals, get in their head. They need to realize, like, we're still in this. It's not over, and that's what I think he stressed.
0: No, I agree, and I think that they weren't a good team last year, so having a lead is something they're not probably as familiar with, so they're gonna it's going to take time to get yeah. used to it. Now they play the same days as D3. October 28th, they're at Marysville at 8 p.m., they're at Lindenwood at 8 p.m. as well. My favorite part of the show is predictions. How's this weekend go, Megan?
5: I'm sensing at least one win. I think this Adrian game showed that they are here to compete, and despite them losing, Boyle was um, proud of their penalty kill because he said that was one he need to work on. So I think that now that they are starting to work on things, A lot more in like actually getting good results out of them they have that confidence that they lacked in the past and I think they're gonna get one win this weekend because Adrian was a loss but it was a win loss if that makes sense like they lost but they're almost they're competing and that's the most important thing and so I think coming off of this loss they're I don't want to say they're angry but they're ready to win because they know that they can so I'm thinking at least one win from this weekend
0: yeah, and I don't know hockey, so I'm not predicting anything. I'd just like to say I want, I'd like to see both teams at least win one. It sucks covering losing games. There's nothing worse than that in this industry, and I hope you don't have to do that back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back. <laughs> Hopefully it's not an 0-4 weekend for Megan. And that's been another episode of the Maroon and Bold. Thank you to our sponsors, and thank you for listening.